You're listening to episode 35 of Paz de Chipotle, a show that explores the gastronomic traditions of Mexico and brings together the voices of cooks, authors, and entrepreneurs who build cross-cultural bridges around the world, championing Mexican food. I'm your host, Rocío Carvajal, food history writer, cook, and author. To find more information about the podcast, please go to pazdechipotle.com. You can subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube. Along this year, I've worked hard tracking down amazingly talented people that are featured in the ever-growing list of guests of Paz de Chipotle. They have shared their personal and professional journeys, their struggles and determination to use every resource to pursue a career sharing their passion for Mexican gastronomy. Back in spring of 2017, I published the very first episode of this podcast and I knew it was an uphill quest. I was new to the podcast world and had to learn this craft from scratch. But you know what? It was a challenge, there's no doubt about that. But I genuinely embraced it and since then it has allowed me to reach so many wonderful listeners like you, who are tuning in right now. Each voice and story of my guests makes a bigger and more diverse global network of creative people who are pushing the boundaries of tradition and innovation for Mexican cuisine around the world. This year's closing episode will take us on a surprising journey from the scorching Texan sun to the land of polar bears, northern lights, and mighty landscapes. These are the two worlds that inspire the work and life of chef Silvia Vavik. There are two aspects, I think, that can enrich, renew, and help societies becoming more accepting and open. And one is having a constant contact with the rest of the world, and the second, welcoming outsiders and learning from them. Norway's ancient Viking cultures are quite vivid in the popular imagination worldwide. The sagas, historical dramas, and even hammering gods populate our small and our big screens. It is widely acknowledged that, like their ancestors, modern Norwegians are keen travelers, and not surprisingly, their homeland has also welcomed thousands of immigrants from all around the world. The city of Oslo alone, that is the capital, has an important amount of immigrants that represent 30% of its population. Of Norwegian father and Mexican-American mother, Silvia was born under the lucky stars that sparkled her curiosity and wished to embrace both of her heritage lines. After studying political sciences and web design for good measure, she realized that her creative heart was actually in gastronomy. After becoming a professional chef, 
and relocating in Norway, she entered a popular TV show called Norway's Grill Master back in 2015, which she actually won and instantly became nationally associated with the vibrant and delicious Mexican food, which is an ever-growing obsession for all Scandinavians. In this interview, you will discover how celebrating cultural diversity in an increasingly multicultural world can lead to personal and professional fulfillment and make everybody's lives richer, better and bigger. I hope you enjoy this episode. Silvia, what a joy it is to have you on the show and it is indeed great to close the year on such a high note with you. Welcome to Pasa Chipotle. Thank you very much. I'm so excited and happy to be on your podcast. This is my first podcast. Oh, let's hope it's the first of many. Not every day I actually get the pleasure to talk to a Mexican-American Norwegian chef, so I'm trying to contain my excitement. Let me ask you first about your childhood. So your father is uh, of Norwegian origin and your mother is uh, Mexican. But you right. were, uh huh, you were actually, uh, raised with one foot in the US and another in Norway. So tell me, what was, uh, your upbringing like? And like, I'm really curious to know if food at that point had a special part in your life that eventually came back to haunt you in, <laughs> in a delicious way. Yeah, well, I guess uh, food's always been something that I would go to explore since I was little. I always wanted to eat the weirdest thing on the menu. That's what I was going to have. Everything people didn't like, <laughs> that's what I wanted to eat. I developed like a joy for different uh, textures and tastes at a very young age. I loved eating out. I loved trying things and as I recall now, when I was younger, I would be in the kitchen with my grandmother and I didn't really think of it as a, like a cooking lesson. It was more like I wanted to spend time with her. It was something where I was getting close to my grandmother. I did it with both of my grandmothers. It was more of a bonding thing. So uh, the, my relationship with food got directly connected with love for my grandmothers and love for family. So it was like an emotional connection with, with food in general. Uh, my father uh, always had like small little twists with like Norwegian flavors. For example, in Christmas, they have this cookie is called krumkake and he would make that every Christmas. I grew up with that. And of course, we had the uh, salmon. I was introduced to a lot of different cuisines and it was like a nice balance. Although the Mexican food was the predominant cuisine that I grew up with. I was just going to say that I'm sure it was a very special thing to have had all this time with both your grandmothers. And so you were the link, you know, taking things from one side to another. Exactly. Yeah, it was It's just it's very weird. It's like living a double life almost. Like when I was in Norway, it was like uh, we spoke Norwegian, of course, and she made like traditional Norwegian food, very like fisherman food, because uh, my family's from like a, a fisherman town. There's an island called Freya, halfway uh, up Norway from Oslo. 
So I would be in the kitchen with my grandma while she was making a uh, very traditional uh, Norwegian food that goes way back many centuries and using those techniques. But looking back, I did learn a lot while I was there because I just wanted to spend time with her. And that's the same uh, denominator I have with my Mexican grandmother. It was more of that I just wanted to be close and they were always in the kitchen. So if I wanted to spend time with my grandmothers, I had to be in the kitchen. Uh, so that became sort of the the language of love between you three. It, yes, definitely. Actually, me four. <laughs> I had two grandmothers. Uh, one that's not my biological grandmother, but I think of her as my grandmother and my biological grandmother, and then my my grandmother in Norway as well. Wow, that's okay. That explains a lot about how you started picking up the essence, like taking with you every time you went back and forth. What it meant for you, the, the key flavors, and perhaps the the dishes that you associated the most with that sense of home in both places to recreate your your yeah. own. It's a whole nother world up uh, at my grandmother's and or the mid north of Norway. And then to the contrast to Mexico, the steaming, hot, humid, <laughs> spicy flavors. Those two cultures and those experiences have really influenced my cooking as it is now. Um, earlier this year, I went to Sweden for the first time. Well, it's not Norway, but close enough. And uh, well, we had a great experience and a lovely time exploring around and indulging in the famous Scandinavian food. And to our surprise, both Sweden and Norway seem to have taken the you know occasional taco treat to a whole new level. To the point that Norway has embraced Taco Fredag. For the listeners, it's like the equivalent of Taco Friday, pretty much. Well, since you have been living permanently in Norway for the past. 21 years, you are more than familiar with the food traditions of Norway, like you were saying now, like very fresh flavors and textures. So I don't know if you could sort of walk us through maybe some similarities or points that touch both cuisine and why you think it sort of uh, became so enamored or taken by Mexican food to the point that you can buy chiles, avocados, tortillas at pretty much every big yeah. supermarket like what was going on <laughs> yeah it's actually it, it's very strange but it just has been an, an explosion it's happened so quickly as well I remember when I started doing uh, cooking videos there was no tortillas in Norway there was no maseca cilantro had just come and this has to be in like 10 years ago even then I was like I, I was just my mission was like I wanted to make Mexican food in Norway. There was no Mexican food here. Of course, we had Taco Friday. Norsk taco, Norwegian taco, it is not a Mexican taco. It, this taco resembles Taco Bell taco with the hard shell, the ground beef, cucumber, tomato. They have the corn in a can. <laughs> it's very bland. But I think what happened, I mean, this is just my opinion. Norwegian food, as I have told you, has very uh, uh, clean tastes. As for spices, it's it's more of, you know, we have the salt and pepper. Uh, we use a lot of white pepper and, and then it's herbs, parsley and dill. Those are like the main condiments Norwegians use in different dishes. So I, I guess it's just uh, somebody brought this taco to Norway and I think it was the late 70s. People loved it. When I was a child, uh, there was one pizza place in all of Oslo. Uh, 
there wasn't fast food places. I mean, if you were going to go out to eat, you had to have a lot of money. Going out to eat here and then going out to eat in the States. For example, there is two drive-thrus in Oslo. One at the, at each end. And that's the only drive-thrus they have. So anytime a new cuisine was introduced to Norway, it got quickly embraced because people wanted, people were curious. They wanted to taste new flavors. And this taco just, it was so easy to make. And they really liked the culture, Mexico, hot, colorful, beautiful women, spicy food. It was just something exotic and new. It was very easy for them to embrace it. Through the years, it's just got more and more and more popular. They were traveling a lot. They really wanted that authentic flavor. And therefore, uh, more produce was being sent to Norway, as well with more immigrants kept coming to Norway, needing more exotic produce and spices. So it was a, a combination of, like you say, the crave for new things. And I guess I don't think there was any prejudice. So it was just a matter of embracing it. And yeah, you're quite right to, exactly. to point out that when people started traveling, they started taking back these flavors, or at least uh, willing to try at home Not too long ago, I had a couple or a private food tour from Oslo. And yeah. every stop we made, it was, this is the best thing we've ever had in our lives. And the next one, it was the same. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and they were like, <laughs> but like, I totally see this, you know, very friendly and very open approach to other cuisines, like this natural curiosity, which I think exactly. is key to, to just yes. be willing to explore. Now I understand, of course. Yes, it is. Uh, Norwegian people are very curious, are very uh, open and into trying new things. And they appreciate a lot the new flavors. And when I have my cooking classes, people get so excited and just like, this is Mexican food? Wow. I'm like, yeah, they're just like flabbergasted. They can't believe how rich and uh, colorful and tasteful Mexican food can be. And also that not all Mexican food is super spicy. None of the dishes that I make are spicy. You know, I always tell them like, well, you know, the thing is that when you want spice, you go for the salsa. That's what salsas are there for, is to give you that heat. And I said, you know, there's children in Mexico. Children don't all eat chiles when they're three years old. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. They just love to learn and uh, eating new flavors. And it's very nice to see that. Yeah, well, one of the most common misconceptions about uh, Mexican food uh, is that yeah. it has to have a lot of chiles in order yeah. to be more authentic. But you are absolutely right. And I think it's such a clever way to introduce from the very gentle side of Mexican food, like the freshness of the flavors and sort of find these parallels, just highlight yes what is naturally beautiful. Huh? Speaking of um, how you understand uh, these different worlds that are yours, you went first for political sciences and then web design, which is not too far from my own interest. I also studied international aid. So like for me, also the aspects of people's movements, politics and all these social mm -hmm. interactions are fascinating. And I, like, I, I understand why you would... Uh, hold some threats that will lead you to gastronomy. But why don't you tell us more? What was the drive behind? Mm -hmm. It just happened so abruptly. You know, I was on that path, learning history and politics and all that fascinated me. I loved that all my life. At the same time, you know, I was with friends and I was having dinner parties and, and people would always tell me like, 
Sylvia, your cooking is amazing. And why don't you become a chef? And it's so strange. The thought never crossed my mind when I was growing up. I don't know. I never thought about it. And then, and then I just found so much joy. I feel at peace when I make food, serving the food to my friends and seeing their happy faces and literally warming them from the inside. You know, it's just clicked. And I was just like, yeah, that's what I want to do. That makes me happy. I just went and enrolled in culinary school. It was just like an, an epiphany. Poof. Oh, my God. I'm going to be a chef. I want to be a chef. Every step has been so right when it comes to my career choice and, and uh, in which direction I'm going in. I can totally empathize with the unique joy that brings to feed people, like to nurture them. It's magical. I was just going to say that. <laughs> See? <laughs> it's magical. It really is. It, it, is, it is making magic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No wonder why that sparkle and that enthusiasm has taken you to really great heights, uh, not only in Oslo, but in all of Norway. The next thing that I wanted to talk about is that many listeners of the show, myself included, we have watched a fair amount of TV cooking contests, but at least I have never been a participant. But you have not only entered one of Norway's most popular shows, which is in English, uh, Grill Master, you actually won that show back in uh, 2015. So, okay, there's so many questions. So let's go <laughs> with the first. Now, what is all... This thing about grilling in Norway, because trust me, like it's not something that the rest of the world associates with a country in that polar circle. And <laughs> that is so true. Exactly. No, like, oh, yeah, Norwegians always grilling. So first, what was that about? <laughs> But it's so strange because when you ask me that, I'm like, of course, like there's nothing to talk about. But that's how I feel because I live here. But I see it, how it sounds strange. The thing is that our winters are long. It's cold. We're pretty much stuck inside for many months. And then spring comes along. And that's when Norwegians go outside. We start wearing shorts and t-shirts when it's 15 degrees Celsius. And then we grill. We're always outside then. As soon as the sun comes out, the temperature gets warmer. Everybody grills in the gardens. Everybody's coming out of their winter shell. But you're not going to want to eat inside. You're going to want to eat outside. You want to enjoy the nice weather and the sun. So therefore we grill. The grocery stores are just filled with all sorts of meats and fish and veggies that you can grill. Norwegians eat a lot of hot dogs. Oh, okay. Yeah. 17th of May. That's like the national dish is hot dog. I'm not kidding. Slowly we started grilling chicken. Now the, the grill season is just, it's filled with everything. If you think about it, it's very um, natural. Of course, if you're stuck in for many months in the cold weather, when the sun comes out, you're going to want to be outside. A proper celebration of some sunshine makes sense now. It just it got me by surprise. Even a show like a national big TV show, The Grill Master. So next question. Okay, how did we go from jumping into gastronomy to saying Yep, I'm going to enter this contest. <laughs> and then obviously you won it. 
And, uh, but, you know, it, it must have been uh, quite a journey. Like, what was it like? Yeah, it all started because when I went to uh, culinary school, it was all about food. I just wanted to learn everything. I just loved everything. After culinary school, and I started working as a chef, and I just realized that my true, true passion, what I really wanted was Mexican food. That's what Norway was missing, authentic Mexican food. And that's where my journey, my mission started to teach the Norwegian community what Mexican food was. I, I feel so strongly about my movement with authentic Mexican food. Few people knew about me and then somebody contacted me and was like looking for contestants for this show. You would be perfect for it. Do you want to do it? Yes, of course I want to do it. Because that was one way of me being able to show Mexican cuisine nationally. That's why I said yes. It was a couple's show. So I invited my little brother to join me. He also likes to cook. That was a very uh, special experience. Uh, it was long days of filming, lots of stress. The challenges were time set. Everything was made on a grill. Uh, appetizer, main dishes, desserts, baking, everything. Definitely a big challenge. And uh, you only had, uh, there was no recipes allowed. Uh, everything was pretty much on spot. Wow. Oh, that's a proper challenge. Yes, it is. That was my favorite part of the show. That was when I felt like at ease and the creativity just gushed out. That was just the best part. That's where I decided with my brother that we would show who we are. In every challenge, it was like some sort of a Mexican inspiration. A little bit of or from Texas, since I grew up in Houston. Yeah, I was in my element. It was a Texas day and a Mexico day. So it was perfect. And that's what really won the judges, the flavors of the plates, the presentation, and a lot about the story behind it. You know, you when I cook, I put in my love. I put in my passion. You taste me. I was so emotional. It was like I didn't go in to win. My winning was that everybody was going to be able to see me. They were going to get to know Chef Sylvia. They were going to get to know my movement. That's how I won. I wasn't thinking about winning the show. And then suddenly, semifinals, that's when I realized I really wanted to win. And on the final, we decided we were going to do all Mexican. Appetizer, main dish, and dessert is going to be our dishes. And the, it won. We won. It was uh, absolutely amazing. I, mean, I know. I have seen the video to the moment when, when they announced you as uh, you couple as the winners. I couldn't believe it. I was trembling. When they said my name, I I literally dropped to the ground. I, tears were going down our faces. And I'm so happy to have been able to do that show and then and very successful for my career after the show. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking, that it was so clever of you, I guess so mature as well in a professional way. You know, sometimes we spend so much time like wishing and working to an intangible, an undefined idea of success. But the truth is, like, you know, we normally are way too busy with our heads down, you know, on the daily grind, trying to keep up with everything. And then when success happens, happens like for people really don't know what to do but like in your experience what came after I think is even more interesting like what do you do with that exposure what do you do with the opportunities that open up you were already mm -hmm. you know in everybody's grill <laughs> yes <laughs> after the show it was like being contacted to do uh, television uh, appearances and uh, I became known nationally as the Mexican food expert I've had so many Uh, amazing opportunities. Uh, I was also a, uh, two years in a row judging the Norwegian Taco Championships. 
So I am officially a taco and Mexican cuisine expert. So I, I think that's all so much fun. It's really given me so much success and, and just, you know, made it the level even higher. Mm -hmm. So I guess the key is to capitalize right away. No? Don't be afraid of success, yeah. will it be? Exactly. It, and it is true that it's not about saying yes to everything, but it's about saying yes to what's right. And I knew exactly what I wanted. So when the jobs came that I wanted, like, okay, this is going to be good for my career. It's really important to stay on track and stay true to who you are and to your dream and what you're doing, not, you know, sway out of that. That is so true, because in the end of the day, there's two things going on what everything means for you personally and professionally and what you become. People will look up to you for, uh -huh. you know, like a reference. Yeah. So, in, you know, whatever you say and whatever you do regarding, well, in this case, uh, you know, Mexican traditions and Mexican food, people are going to believe you. And, you know, you are representing Mexico, like literally there. So, of course, it's a big responsibility because you want to do things right. And, and people will listen to you also. No? People will uh, open up to a new way of understanding and also adopting uh, Mexican food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think uh, another thing that is important about, you know, uh, being successful is uh, really being true to yourself, to your trade, being unique not jumping on the bad bandwagon of others or really being true to your own self and your own creativity will take you much further than if you're just trying to do something somebody else is doing. Uh, I, I love cooking. I love interacting with people. It's, it is real. It is what I love to do. So people see that and understand that this is not something just playing, just copying someone else. This is authentic. This is real. You know, people realize uh, when you are putting true passion and commitment, like you said, with, with what you really believe in, what people will buy ultimately from your work is the reason why you do it. Because that's what will connect emotionally exactly. with people. Right, exactly. It, it's not just my food. It's really, they're buying a piece of me. <laughs> Now, talking about what people will listen when you are trying to change things, how difficult can it be sometimes to source... Um, ingredients of course i imagine in the land of vikings it might be a bit even more difficult to to get oh, a hold yes. on like fresh herbs the simplest of things like you said you know uh, masa flour to make tortillas but you have gone to you know really incredible lengths to ensure a regular supply because you are not doing just like one off like you do this for a living and you need a constant supply so how have you built your ingredient supply chain and who have you partnered up with that and uh, You know, what's the response from farmers or whoever you've been working with? Uh, yes. Well, um, before, I mean, you could barely find jalapenos in a glass or three years ago. After the show aired, I was contacted by somebody that wanted to import maseca and uh, wanted us to work together. We're still working together now. He has a, a store in Oslo, cactus.no or cactus.no, that is Norwegian. He supplies authentic Mexican ingredients. Uh, he imports from Mexico, which is amazing. That's where I get the epazote, los adobos, the dry chilies, 
corn flour from Maseca to Harimasa, organic corn flour. And, and our work together through my food and catering and cooking classes, uh, I see like the demand of what would be good to bring to Norway? How can we get Norwegians to to use these products? So we work hand in hand together with the store. People started really wanting to make authentic tacos. And, uh, you know, when you want to make authentic Mexican food, then you get your tortillera and your tortillero your equipment and everything you need. Just literally, you are pioneering. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Maybe next uh, an upcoming series on YouTube of how to use each product, you know. Yeah, actually, we're already doing that. Hopefully, our the video that will be coming out is tamales. Before the end of the year, I might have that video out on my YouTube channel. Don't forget to tag me so I can uh, share it with uh, all the audience of Pasta Chipotle. And I remember... <laughs> Hmm. Some months ago, I saw a photo you posted uh, and you're holding some fresh papalo. Are you planting your own herbs as well? No, that is actually another another company who contacted me. They have this beautiful uh, container where they grow their hydroponics. It's a beautiful system. He contacted uh, Rocio and me, uh, Rocio Sanchez from Copenhagen, and wanted us to try these products. Now he has uh, papalo and pepiche that we can order and we can use when we'd like. That's fantastic. Yes, yes. So it's it's just really amazing because you would never, ever think of having papalo in Norway. No. <laughs> you know, in, the thing here in Norway is that it's very popular. Uh, it's called kortreistmat which it means um, local local produced food. Instead of like getting herbs that come from far away, if they're grown in Norway, that is better for the environment. We're, we're more conscious here now. Now, we're going a little bit back to the gentle side of Mexican food, things that we Mexicans do uh, cook mm. at home and what you are also sharing with people through your classes. For many Mexicans, uh, it's... Um, quite hard to think uh, or, you know, consider not eating meat every day. You know, Mexicans perceive themselves as big meat eaters. And it's something that is kind of slowly beginning to change. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is like a very slow, but so I would say steady and rising movement to make sort of vegetarian mm -hmm. and vegan options. Like I said, like Mexicans have in the best of times a confused opinion And uh, the yes. worst is like, I don't know why, no? So there's still a long way to go. And, mm -hmm. and if you think really traditional Mexican food, uh, the one that is perhaps close to our indigenous roots, uh, has mm -hmm. really way less sources of animal protein and more vegetable protein. So in the end, if we opt out for that, we're still being very traditional. And I know you and your partner, Uh, and your young family have a vegetarian household and that is fantastic <laughs> i love seeing like the wonderful options of mexican food you prepare in your pop-ups and i mean it looks absolutely delicious i'm guessing it hasn't been that difficult to sort of translate what mexican vegetarian food is for the nordic palate yeah um actually it's it was quite simple transition because what they do in Mexico is they pretty much incorporate pork fat in everything in the beans chicken uh, stock in the rice and everything is fried in pork and you know it's so easy to remove that and still have that beautiful Mexican flavor uh, really highlighting the the produce and the spices and the herbs 
without, you know, drowning it in that fatty taste and texture. I actually have removed that from all my uh, recipes. I use vegetable stock. I use a tomato base and still delicious. And, you know, it started off slowly at home because uh, my partner, he wanted to be vegetarian. He's been vegetarian now five years. My youngest is completely vegetarian. He doesn't want to eat any meat. Uh, my eight-year-old, he like transfers back and forth. Uh, my oldest, he still eats uh, meat every once in a while. And I do find a lot of uh, happiness uh, in being able to be creative and show really beautiful, um, authentic Mexican dishes without animal products. I have many different uh, dishes that are vegetarian that I also serve to meat eaters. And they're just like, wow, I, I didn't even think that there was no meat in there. The vegans, when they come and get it, they'll come back with the plate and they'll be like, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, but you gave me meat. And I'm like, no, I didn't. It's vegan. <laughs> and they're just like, what? I'm like, yeah, I promise you. And I give this dish to the meat eaters and like, oh, it's the best picadillo ever. And I'm like, you know what? It's vegan. What? Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing. Mexican food is also seen as being very fatty, very heavy, but that's not necessarily true. The food I'm making is good for you. It's great produce. It's fresh. That is true. It has to do with being here in Norway and being influenced by the cuisine here and what the people demand. And also that balance between being healthy and having something that's really delicious. Well, I guess, you know, speaks a lot of your own upbringing and the way you've shifted your own palate and how you can navigate, like I said, between these uh, two cuisines. And uh, because you are in a region that uh, in the recent years has produced some of the most interesting trends in uh, food studies and health policies. I remember a couple of years ago, I did a nano degree on um, the Nordic diet, and I was just fascinated to see the effort put into promoting sustainable and practical diets. Even children at school learn food literacy, they cook. In your experience yeah. as a chef and as a parent, how do you see these movements spreading outside Scandinavia? I think uh, Norway is ahead in that sense. It's uh, really booming here, uh, the whole uh, conscious eating, thinking about the planet, thinking about the animals, thinking about your own health. It's exploding. I used to find these products at the grocery store, so many different substitutes now. And I see that as I went back to Houston as well, that it was slowly coming there as well. So I think it's just going to be more and more of that. People becoming more conscious and being more open to diets that have no animal products and are still incredibly delicious. I'm a true believer that that, that, is, that is what will happen eventually and people just got to give it a chance and they're going to love it. Not only for our health, reconsidering our food choices, but like you say, and also for the greater good of uh, sustainability in sourcing mm -hmm. our food globally. Sylvia, oh God, there's still like five more things I would like to talk about, but we are running a bit out of time. Just um, to start closing the interview, I would like to know more about your upcoming projects. You are now expanding more content. Uh, so maybe talk a bit uh, more about that. And I know there is a book. 
waiting to be written there. So what will keep you busy yes. this next year? Well, um, next year I've decided to have all my focus on my cookbook, which I started in April. It's going to be a sort of biography through dishes. It's going to be a very personal book. Uh, in addition to that, I'm also planning a tour around Norway doing cooking classes for schools and universities and companies. So that will be what 2019 will be mostly about at the same time doing also my tutorials. Just, it's just another way of continuing my mission of teaching what Mexican gastronomy really is. <laughs> well, you, you will have to proudly wear your crown of being Norway's taco queen, of course. Sounds like it's going to be a fantastic year and really excited for you. And because I want everybody else to follow you closely, please tell people, you know, how can they follow you? Where can they find you, your social media accounts? Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm, I'm Facebook. Uh, Sylvia's Mexican Kitchen. There you get the information of uh, pop-ups, cooking classes, uh, any future events. On Instagram, you get an insight on my daily life, posting uh, information there as well. On my YouTube channel, there we'll have tutorials. Slowly but surely, they'll be coming some more there. I have uh, traveled back to Mexico to do uh, culinary research. I was in Yucatan doing a, a culinary trip for 12 days. Uh, one of the episodes that's out is kind of like a little recap of what's going to come. We'll have all the links on this episode's description. Yeah. But uh, why don't you mention your email? Oh, excellent. Oh, my email is uh, chefsylvia at akikomi.no. Oh, I, I love the name for non-Spanish speakers. Akikomi means i eat here <laughs> exactly like it's, it's wonderful <laughs> well sylvia thank you so much uh, i really appreciate you taking some time off in this very busy time of the year i love that you were here in paz de chipotle closing the year on a really really high note uh muchísimas gracias thank you very much for all your work and your passion and your heart and for being here sylvia i know your projects will turn out great i want to send you a big big hug all the way to norway feliz navidad good yule and uh merry christmas <laughs> thank you no, it was a pleasure. It I also am uh, extremely honored to be able to talk to you. And I'm definitely going to keep following you and your trip in this beautiful gastronomical world. And I want to give a big thanks to everybody that is supporting uh, our movement uh, that are full of love for Mexico and its uh, history and its people and its food. It uh, it's really just uh, brings us together. And that's why we, me and you are talking together right now. Thank and you. I, Absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much again. Feliz Navidad. Susan Tak. Goyul. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. This episode was written and produced by me, Rocio Carvajal. To find more information about this project, please go to pasdechipotle.com. Support the show via Patreon. Patreon is the largest platform that connects independent creators with great audiences like you. Go to patreon.com forward slash chipotle podcast. Every donation makes a big difference. Go to patreon.com forward slash chipotle podcast and be part of this delicious story. On this episode's blog post, 
you will find all the links mentioned on today's interview and the social media accounts and YouTube channel of Chef Sylvia. And last but not least, wherever you are in the world and however you like spending this time of the year, I wholeheartedly wish you to enjoy the presence of your loved ones in your life. Welcome new and exciting projects and embrace every opportunity to make extraordinary things with your talents. Merry Christmas to you and may you have plenty reasons to smile and give hugs at least 365 times this 2019. Well, that's it for this year, my friends. Until the next time.